Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. It is beautiful. I think every time we get together when it's sunny, we can't but say it's a beautiful morning. Can you feel it? Can you feel the Christmas of the morning air, which feels like it's going to get warm? Do you see the earth coming alive with the perennials and the trees and shrubs just starting to bud? Do you hear it? The birds are singing. They know it's there. Do you know what it is? The weather says it's looking pretty clear. I think it's exciting because we're all going to be in our gardens after the Lana Garden Show. But it is time to prepare. It is time to feel the stimulus of our hands in the soil. And it tells us that our gardens will be. And the poem today, A Garden Can Be. A garden can be a place of peace for me watching nature and flowers be. The gentle breeze that blows around can be such a gentle sound. A garden can be a place to work with weeds attacking in the lurk. While we dig them out of dirt, the weeds, our flowers, will not hurt. A garden can be a place of beauty filled with flowers that are so groovy. A tiny seed planted And then it blooms. The fragrance can be soon consumed. A garden can be placed for all to enjoy, even for the little girls and boys. It is a place to see nature in action. Gardening can be such a passion. Welcome back to the Lawn and Garden Journal. And yes, gardening is a passion. We get excited about it. And I was just talking to Eva here, and she said it's also therapeutic. It's therapeutic because it gives us that release of energy that we can use, and it gives us hope for something that's there that's going to grow, and it gives us pride for what we've done and succeeded, with maybe a little bit of challenges, but that makes us grow too. So let's go to the lines and see how we can grow together. Burnett is on the line. Hello, Burnett. Um, are you talking to me? Yes, I'm talking to you. My name is Bernice. Bernice. Oh, hi, Bernice. Sorry, I got it wrong. Yes. And I'm from calling from East Selkirk. I'm having problems with my uh, tomatoes. Some of the leaves on them are turning brown and whitish brown. It looks like they got a blight or something. I've been oh. spraying them with uh, copper spray. Is that good? or? Well, copper spray is going to be a little bit of beneficial. You're probably taking in a little bit of preventative measures. Now, the whiteness on the leaf. Now, have you placed them outside to start climatizing to the outside? Yes. Okay. So I can say that it's probably not a blight. Um, greenhouse grown and plants that are indoors, the house, and it just, it happened to us too as well. We put a few of our cucumbers out a little soon here into the sun, and we didn't acclimate them to being in a full sun. And, and, and a better way of saying it is if I went outside on a sunny day today and I worked all day, I'm going to get sun scald or sunburn. And your leaves... If they're kind of got that whitish cast to them, yeah. they have a little bit of a sun scald. 
Oh, okay. Okay, so keep up the fertilizer with it, and your new growth will be lush and green. Uh, ours affected the cotyledon leaves, which hadn't fallen yet, so they scorched off, and there was a slight white tinging to them, but... It's always looking at your new growth to see how that is being affected. And if it's lush new growth is green, then you're just slowly transitioning it to being outdoors, okay? Okay. Okay, and don't worry about if you put the Bordeaux spray on there. Uh, if there's anything that was on there, it's not there now. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Okay, thanks. Enjoy the day. Okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye. There's so many questions. We're going to go right to Anne. Hi, Anne. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And where are you calling from? Morden. Well, good morning, Morden. And I would like to know what to put into the row. I'd like to put my uh, Dutch onion sets out in the ground today. And uh, I have a lot of trouble with maggots if I don't put anything in there. And I would like to know what to put into the row. Well, there are some things that you can do. I like using a little bit of diatomaceous earth. So um, it's also called insecticola. Sorry, I'm trying to get my words around that. But even on, sometimes with your onion maggot, and in gardening, historically, we try to do crop rotation. So if you did your onions in an area last year, try and do a crop rotation and plant it in a different area. Okay. Okay. So, and um, what you can also do is the diatomaceous earth that's on there to try and prevent it and put it in when you're planting it. Okay. Okay? All right. All righty. I will try to do that. Okay. And Thank you. For, yeah. I'm uh, wondering, uh, what is an effective way to keep the deer away from the garden if I can't afford a fence around there? Oh, um, I'd say sometimes, well... Some people have pets that will help them, like a dog will sometimes cheer, uh, chase them away. Yeah. But sometimes the dogs think of the deers as friends, too, <laughs> after a while start playing with them. Yeah. Uh, you just bring to heart, I have two West uh, Highland Terriers, and they, in their younger years, used to chase them, and now they just kind of look at them and sit side by side. So. <laughs> yeah. So that's a hard one, because I know deer, and the more and more that they get familiar with us they get close up and uh sometimes personal with people uh you also just gave me a reminder uh my sister who lives down in the southern states uh, has one of these little uh cameras on her front door and uh you know when the doorbell rings and that says there's someone at the front door she's quite amazed when she has a deer standing on her front doorstep oh my so you have to say that um sometimes flagging tape like if you change things around a little bit, maybe get some streamers and flagging tape. Um, but as far as deer, uh, I know blood meal. Blood meal, if you use that around the base of some of your products and your plants, it's a good deterrent. Okay. There's also plant skid, which is a, a blood-based spray that you can put on some of the plants. But it does give a reddish cast and it does have a scent. And intrinsically animals will have a higher sensory smell than we do so in essence uh, for the blood meal and the plant skid if they smell that it's kind of a warning hey hey you know what this might be uh, not an area that I want to be in because something's happened here okay 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 yeah I but, was thinking um, of scarecrows but uh, they would get used to those too right 
Yeah, scarecrows isn't going to be for deer. That's no. more for birds and that kind of stuff that's on it. Yeah. Um, uh, sprinklers. If you have a sprinkler system or uh, sometimes there's a product, I don't know, um, it's called Scarecrow. Oh. And it, you attach it to the hose and it's only activated by if something comes into the area. Yeah. So you can, it emits a strong blast of spray at them, so it could startle them. But then again, if you're using it in the same location all the time, they're smart. They're going to go around, so you're going to have to relocate that as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay? Okay. Thank you. You're very welcome. Okay, good luck with the deer. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. This is the time that the weather says it's good, so I think everyone is feeling this energy. Let's go right back to the lines. Diane is waiting. Hi, Diane. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Where are you calling from? I've got Morden and different areas. Where are Uh, you from? I'm calling from Alonza. Alonza. Oh, I think you're my first Alonza person. (laughs) Where is Alonza? East of McCreary. Okay, I know where you are. Yeah, I know where you are. Uh Well, good morning, and it looks like a beautiful day that we could be out in our gardens. Mm -hmm. We had a little shower, but... Not too much. You know what? We had a little shower here late afternoon yesterday, and the clouds were coming. I think I did a little rain dance, thinking that maybe it would help me with our, my outside watering. <laughs> but then I thought, okay, we really need we need a nice... This isn't the weekend that I should be saying, because I'm in the business, but we really need some nice rain, well, because it ever. is dry. It's dry. And you know what? Maybe we'll just take a little pause here, Diane, for a minute, just to remind people that if you can... Uh, if you're not on any water restrictions and if you have source of um, some extra moisture that you can throw on some of your plants, because they, like us, uh, work hard and have a, had a long winter rest, so they need a good thirst, a good a nourishing drink right now. How can we help you today on the Lawn and Garden Journal? I have a hibiscus plant that's six years old, and it, the branches are getting way too long. I always put it outside in the summertime. And I was wondering when I could trim the branches off so I could actually get it out the door. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, You can do that now because if you see that you're going to just start on the new emergence of the new tip growth that's in there, Mm -hmm. which is softer. So I would be doing your trimming now and then allow the new, uh, it depends on how far back you're going to cut into the old wood to do that pruning back. Because if you prune it back, Diane, into where it's older wood, it's going to take a bit more time to bush out and produce more branches. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you tell me how much new growth has started on it? Um, Six inches, four inches? um, Probably about four inches. Four inches? Okay. The other thing that you can do is if you uh, still like the capacity of the shape, you can take that four inches off because next to that, that wood that's connective tissue to that is going to be a little bit softer than further back onto it. Okay. Okay. But in essence too, in reality, when we're doing a lot of pruning, if you want to reshape any type of what we call a hardy tree in our areas, we always give a rule of thumb that you can take up to one third off. Okay. That doesn't that doesn't mean one third from the bottom. That means one third from the top <laughs> down. Okay. <laughs> we want to make sure that's correct. Right. You know, though there's always a broken rule. And I, you know, years ago, um, 
I always get a little bit of chuckle because conversation brings this stuff because there are a couple shrubs that you can actually take right back and potentilla is one of them because you know potentilla it's it's quite hardy and they have a tendency the old-fashioned ones have a tendency to get about four feet around three or four and they start to lay down like this old sagebrush you know Mm -hmm. so those ones uh, I was quite amazed in my early years uh, of gardening when I had my predecessor of where I work here for is uh, he came over and I said what do I do with these you know I was a young girl and he was like let's cut them down I thought okay let's cut them down one third like I was trained well he took a three foot potentilla bush and cut it down to eight inches my goodness. I, yes, I was shocked, but Potentilla, the next four or five years after that, I've had the nicest shape of my Potentillas ever. <laughs> so it took a while, but there you go. But do not do that to your hibiscus. <laughs> no, no, I won't. I have and, another question. Sure. I'm, I have lilies tr- uh, planted right beside my house, and they're facing the south, and they're probably about six inches tall and I was wondering if is it too late to transplant them uh, if you trans you could probably do them now but me- just remember if you're thinking that your lilies if they're six years old if originally you planted them at three to four inches depth lilies have a tendency to gravi- gravitate downwards a bit so you're going to want to make a nice big deep scoop just so that when you take your shovel you're not cutting into the existing bulbs oh my they're- yeah, the risk that you will have of that is that you may uh, shock a few of them or you may lose some of the clumps that are on there. Okay. Um, if you do it, I always like digging my new hole first, filling it up with water and letting it go through and then start my digging so that I makes my transitioning or my transplanting time less with the roots exposed. Okay. Okay, and uh, a good backfill if you're doing that. Uh, backfill with a good topsoil if the hay, if the grass, uh, no, right, sorry. You can tell I've been working hard. All my words are mumbled up. <laughs> but your soil that you backfill with is a nice four-way or three-way blended mix because, you know, after six years, our gardens have a tendency to compact themselves again, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, again, some nice bone meal in the bottom as a feed. The okay. alternative The alternative would be to do it after they're finished blooming. Oh, maybe I'll wait then. Yeah, enjoy the flowers. The lilies are beautiful, especially if you do not have that li- that nasty little, and I'll whisper it because I don't want to, the lily beetle, you know? <laughs> we don't want it. <laughs> it's almost like, you know, when that movie, Beetlejuice, 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 if it announce it, it comes. So we just talk softly about it and pretend it's not going to come this year. Okay? Okay, and have um, I had cutworms in my garden so bad last year, I had to transplant, I planted my beans twice my cucumbers about three times and my tomato plants i lost a whole bunch of them but in the fall i i put uh wood ashes on the garden bed hopefully that helps hopefully that helps that and uh if that helps and then maybe just mixing i i think on the previous caller you heard me talk about diatomaceous earth Mm -hmm. it's it's for all things that creepy crawly slugs ants all that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. hopefully the ash work, I hope and then so. if not, just you could try a little bit of that organic powder, okay? Okay, thank you very much. Okay, you're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is great.
great conversation. We're hitting some target uh, things that we've not talked about before. And the hibiscus, you just bring it to the... This is the hibiscus is patio time. Uh, it is such a big, beautiful flower. The colors that we have here, it makes me kind of... I walk into the tropical house and it's like a tropical paradise with all the jasmine and the hibiscus. So these are maybe things that you want to target if you want to bring a little bit of maybe that vacay location to your deck patio, we can do that. We can bring tropical plants to our gardens and to our, our areas. Can you imagine just creating a garden room in your yard? You're going to say, what's a garden room? Well, in landscaping, we usually create spaces and dedicated spaces we consider as rooms. Can you imagine a beautiful little garden room that's just your tropical haven of maybe some potted hibiscus, some scented jasmine, because we know that in the evening and when the lights go down a little bit outside, that the jasmine is so aromatic, right? Ooh, can you hear? I, okay, it's making me want to garden. Let's go back to the lines. Margaret is next. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, and how are you, and where are you calling from? I'm calling from Carmen. Yeah, hello, yeah. Carmen. Yes. Hi. I, how, go ahead. Yeah, I talked to you at the greenhouse a few weeks ago about the tomatoes, the white spots on it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Hi. Yes. Yeah, and I forgot the name of it, so I was just wondering if you could tell me the name again and maybe spell it for me. Of the the... Of the spots that's in the tomatoes for the yeah, yeah those tomatoes that have those that white stuff from the inside they are well it hard. is it's there is a hard spot that when you get on it and it's so disheartening I know that we went um, we were talking about uh, the interior because then some said you it's actually caused by an insect yeah right there's an uh-huh. insect that sucks on the juices of the plant and you get these white spots on the inside of the tomato. So okay. what you want to do is you want to prevent that. You can uh, spray it with uh, some Endol or something. At the early stages, you want to spray the fruit blossoms before it starts producing a fruit. Okay. okay. Yeah. So what's the spray that I can use? Uh, you can use, if you can get Ambush, you can use Ambush. Um, yeah, okay. Ambush, okay. Yeah, you can use that. Um because it, uh, you know, it's kind of hard. You want to be able to get that. And it's so disheartening when you get that white spot when you open it up your tomato. Right. It's totally edible, but it does create that white little... Right, yeah. We had know? so much of it last year that I yeah. had a lot of tomatoes. I just did not like that. And Yeah, so. it's, it's, it's hard when you do that. You know, it's those little stink buds that you just don't like. And they... Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think what they're trying to tell you is you're growing really good tomatoes and they're going after them. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. They like them as well as we do, I guess. And, yeah, and yeah. you're going to have to do a little bit of a repeated spray when you're doing that on your tomatoes, right? Okay, right. And then, and just make sure whenever you're applying something like that, you're washing your fruit very well before right. ingesting. Yeah, I always wash all of my fruit. Yeah, that's good. Okay, okay. well, that's good. I had forgotten the name that you said, so yep. I thought I'd better check with you. And, and then about... Uh, Using the um, uh, ashes, the other lady talked about. Yeah. Uh, and also for the maggots, I yes. always put ashes in the row. If I plant my maggot, uh, my tomato, uh, onions, I put ashes in there, and I have never had maggots after that. Well, and, we've just confirmed that for Anne. Yeah, yeah, and the same thing for uh, 
for other plants, tomatoes and all that. I just spread some ashes around them, and I have never had a uh, cutworm take my plants then. So Oh, that's good. It has, has always worked for me, so hopefully it does for others as well. Well, thank you for uh, helping us with that tip, too, and confirming the actions of using ash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. have done it for a number of years already, and and it has, so far, it has always worked for me, yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay, that's good. Well, thank you very much, and then you have a good day and a good weekend, and we'll uh, see how this all works out. Okay, Margaret, and you know what? It was very nice meeting you a yeah. few weeks ago. Yeah, okay. so thank you, and you've got a beautiful place there to work, and that would be a place I would like to work. So, oh, you know what? I'm I'm I I'm gonna say I am blessed because. Uh, to be able to see sunshine it with a little bit of plastic over my head, mm-hmm. just to repet it. But you know what? I love plants, and I love what it gives yeah. to people. Yeah, well, good for you. Okay, well, thank you very much. You're welcome, oh. Margaret. Have a great day, okay? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. It is. You know, like uh, plants, they motivate you, and it, I keep saying this because it's in the energy, even though um, it's like I'm like the farmer right now. The harvesting is being done that's going through because it's our season, and you see the, as much as I'm, I guess, physically tired and sometimes the actions, and don't get me wrong, I love being physical that's in it, but I love seeing when people see the pretty and the glory and the vision of planting a garden. That is a wonder to me. So let's go right back to the lines. Nadia is next. Hi, Nadia. How are you? I am fine. What a beautiful morning. You know what? It is gorgeous outside. I love days like this. I do too. Uh, Anyhow, my tips, the tips of my blue spruce, uh, uh, some are even up to three inches long, and they're healthy, green, but they fall off. Oh, okay. All right. Um, now when they open, just give me a little scenario. So whenever the new growth opens, that's when they're, it's aborted or is it that you no, maybe... No, no, now during the, during the winter they were falling and now there is an odd one that's falling and they're healthy green. They're not like, uh, brown or anything. And it's, they're not brown, they're, no, they're, they're green? healthy green and some of them, like I say, they're about three inches long and some are shorter but they're 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 long and they fall off and they're 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 healthy green yeah okay um sometimes you'll get that where if you get some type of disease that's in there Mm -hmm. um spruce budworms i don't think it's spruce budworm because spruce budworm only goes after the new growth when it's you know just unfurling they'll be in there and they're nasty and they go in and they start eating all that stuff Mm-hmm. Um, this one I'm going to have to sort of investigate for you okay. because a, if it's falling now mm-hmm. after the winter and the green is dropping, there's something that's in there that's causing that abort okay, factor even to go through winter time. It was falling off. Okay. Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes if it's being brushed by something that will cause a brittle and a breakage too, as well, mm-hmm. that's on it. So what height is it dropping at? Oh, I don't know how high, but the tree is all maybe 30 feet tall. And it's dropping all over equally on all the tips? No, no, not all the tips. Just an odd one would fall. I don't know where it where it's falling from because when I 
come outside and I look yeah. and there's green ones on the soil. Eh? So okay. I, I don't know where they're falling off, but there's some of them, like I say, are quite big. Some are smaller. Okay, can I ask, are you on an acreage or are you in the city? No, in the city in Winnipeg. In the city in Winnipeg. Okay, now you've got me really spruce because I was, a lot of times we'll get uh, cedar damage and spruce damage, but if we get deer that traverse through it, we see this when we have pyramidal cedars. And, um, okay, I'm going to use my Westie dogs as a, as a pure example. As a, puppies, I had beautiful 35-foot pyramidal cedars that were green to the ground. Mm-hmm. lush mm-hmm. and in the winter they would run through there and now i've got two and a half feet up totally devoid of any greenery because they have when the cells of that plant have been frozen and uh. something brushes against it it causes the tip to break yeah so well, unless you know specifically if it's around certain areas where it's been touched or no or, it's not it's just the spruce alone yeah like one spruce and then further down is another spruce so they're not uh they're not touching okay you know the only other factor that i can think of it and then um i've seen this at my mom's place is uh sometimes even like if it's not the brushing of it it may be uh squirrels that will break off the tips because that is the fine edge you know it's your new growth going through the next season winter right so the tips of it is almost like freezing fresh vegetables Mm -hmm. they know that it's still tender and they're not fully like woody feeling that's on it so it could be a little squirrel too that it's been collecting some of the new tippings of it that's happened to before but not to you know i'm just trying to think of different things that could be Mm -hmm. you know but this even happened in the winter like i say so yeah well squirrels will go after it in the winter because they're foraging for food right yeah yeah Yeah, in the summer, they have lots to go after, but squirrels will notoriously go through it. And if it was just the tips being dropped and and gone completely that you see the the biting. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what? If you see, uh, take a look at it around if it's at a height that you can visually see. Mm -hmm. If you see where it's been, a tip is removed because it'll be easy to tell. You could probably see if it's a break because it will have a pullback like a, a tear. Mm-hmm. Or if it is an animal like a squirrel, yeah. you'll see you'll see bite marks. Yeah. Well, I, like I say, I don't know where the break is. Yeah. All all I know is when it falls on the ground and uh, on the soil. So that's how I know that um, that it's been broken. But uh, yeah. Well, here's another little advice. Next winter, if mm-hmm. you think it's going to happen again, if you're able to walk in that area, look for animal tracks. Because animal tracks will tell you, too, if, if A, if a squirrel is going to be in that area. Okay. Um, if there's no other trees around it, just remember, too, squirrels can jump from tree to tree. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, but animal tracks are kind of interesting because it tells you a story of how and what is happening to certain trees as well. Uh, I can tell from animal tracks and animal droppings which trees are going to have problems because... Mm-hmm with nibbling and foraging mm-hmm. and uh animal tracks is kind of cool too i i like taking my granddaughter out and at the age of two she could tell you what a rabbit track looked like <laughs> okay yeah okay. okay it's all good conversation margaret it's nadia or nadia nadia <laughs> sorry i have to write your name down i had written margaret's yet you're next on my book <laughs> okay okay oh, thank well, you thank you very much and you have a great day 
You too, hon. Enjoy the sunny day and enjoy the weather. Oh, I will. Thank you. Okay, you're Bye. very welcome. Bye-bye. 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 You know what? Let's keep this going because the conversation is very good. Ken is next. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Good morning. I How are a... you and where are you calling from? Ah, I'm doing good and calling from Bossier, Manitoba. Well, it's probably very sunny out there too as well. Absolutely beautiful. Could use some rain though. Oh, yes. You know what? Um, well, we'll do an afternoon rain dance and we'll see if we can get that nice rain out there. Sounds good. Okay, I have 300 feet, about 300 feet of uh, cotton aster uh, shrub that's about six or seven years old. And in the middle, about 100, 120 feet of it died last year. I'm wondering if I cut it back, will it grow again this year or do I got to restart it? Okay, good question. Uh, A, I would probably say you could probably cut back up to one-third. Now, if it's completely died to the ground, it's not going to come back from the ground. But the investigation that I would have you do before uh, you're going to do anything is take a look at the bark of that catoniaster to see what's happening with it. Because the density, when we get nice, thick hedgerows, sometimes we'll get uh, infestation of a, a disease or a bug that will continue down the line this might be the starting point of it and what you want to do is take measures to see why that's happening and to prevent it from carrying through on the rest of your hedge now ketoniaster is known to have a scale that's on it it's prone to it so if you can take a look at some of the older wood that's closer to the bottom and going up onto the tips of the dead stuff take a look and the bark uh, should be nice and sort of smooth that's on it. And you can do a comparison by going to the furthest, you know, go to the furthest outer edge away from it and take a look at a nice sample of what the bark should look like. And if you have an infestation of a scale, the bark becomes almost nubbly and dark and it almost like super bumpy. And that would be a, a class to show you that you have scale damage and it will rampantly kill portions of a ketoniaster or an alpine current. So okay. if that's the measure, uh, you can. it's probably a little bit too late now. We usually like to see an application of dormant oil, lime, sulfur spray before the buds or the leaves open up, and then at the end when the leaves drop. Uh, you could probably slow it down by doing a spray of some endol on there to slow it on the new areas. Okay. Okay. I would probably myself remove it, look at it to see what's causing the disease that's on it. If you're not sure, take some of the branching to uh, in a clear plastic bag to a garden center where they can assess it and take a look at it and maybe do something on the bark that visually to see if it's scale. Uh, I wouldn't be quick to replant until I see if once you've removed that one section and treated it, because if you plant something back to fill it in, right away you might just be reintroducing okay 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 so it's always best to be a little bit of a sluice first investigate and then proceed from there okay are cotoniasters like willow that you can take clippings or you've got to start from rootstock again no with cotoniasters you could probably do like a willow and do uh, a sand Um, you can push it into a sand and just keep it moist that's on it, but you have to do it from the tip cuts, right? The fresh yeah. growth? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's okay. always worth the try if you want to try it because uh, 300 feet is a long, a long hedge. Well, it was a beautiful hedge until it half died. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking that if it's right in the middle, uh, and then one thing about it is pruning pra- practices too as well is very good with cotoneasters if you're wanting to keep it a little bit clipped and pruned. Um, try and dig out the old dead wood that's in there. Uh, yeah. You know, just to get some, it's, I know it's nice to be nice and thick, but if you have dead wood that's in there, it just, it's like a dinner bell ringing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we want to get that yeah. cleaned up. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, I hope I helped you. Yeah, have a good day. We're going okay. back to you right now. Okay, thank you so much. All right, have Bye-bye. a great day. Bye-bye. And we're going to go right back to lines. Bonnie is waiting patiently. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, Carla. Hi, how are you and where are you calling from? I am calling from north of Beauchester. North of Beauchester. And uh, is it nice there too? Oh, it's beautiful. Yes, it is. Oh, it's beautiful. That's it's good. very dry. We could definitely use some more rain, but it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful morning. Oh, nice. My my question is regarding irises. Um, I would like to move them. I wanted to move them last year, and I didn't. I just I was planning to in fall, and I just didn't get around to it. So now I'm looking at them, and they are starting to grow. And I'm wondering if I can move them right now, or if I should wait until after they're finished blooming. You know what, there's kind of the true trains of thought. If you really want to move them and they just started emerging up a little bit, I would say go for it. And like the other uh, question that we had before about moving things, you might just uh, disrupt a little bit. But if you get the nice big clump as much as you can, rather than splitting and dividing, if you're lifting the whole thing up, you still have a chance because your flower set or bloom set has not happened. So what it may do too is when you disrupt something early in the spring, it's going to set it back so your blooming period, which normally happens, will probably be delayed. Okay. That, I'm, okay. Not, I'm not terribly concerned about that. I would just like to, there's, there's a large clump of them and I'm not happy with where they are anymore, so I would like to move them somewhere different. So I have a spot for them. Um, it's just... I, I agree with you because I've I've read up on this and I've read that yes I can move them now early in spring. Yep. But I should also wait until after they finish blooming. So I'm now arguing with myself as to which is the better <laughs> which is the better method to do. Well, I would probably say if you're telling me you want to do it. So you know what? I'd say if I want to do it and I want it done now and if I lose a few of my blooms but I get has success of new rooting of it rather than the fall because also irises if they're timely in the fall that if you don't get them moved and planted and the root new root development started there is the demise of that too as well yeah but i think you you i think you answered your question you want to do it now go for it okay okay Okay. then i i yeah then i will i will get on that as soon as possible okay but do it now not in three weeks (laughs) no no i'm thinking i don't think today because i'm today i'm going to plant some vegetables but i'm thinking monday so. Oh, Monday is on target, and you know what? If we get a little bit of rain, it's going to make your digging a lot easier because yes, that yes, ground is hard, true. all right? Yes, that is definitely true. Yeah, and just remember, bone meal, when you dig your hole previously, again, to, uh, to lessen the amount of time that the roots are exposed, and then backfill your hole with soil, put some bone meal on the bottom of the hole, backfill with good garden soil, because your rooting systems, when you dig up your iris are going to be quite compact. Okay, okay. Okay? Okay, I will definitely do that. Thank you so much. (laughs) 
Oh, you're very welcome. Enjoy, and you know what? Have fun planting. I think everyone, I want everyone to plant something today. Even if it's just a little bit, plant something today. You'll feel so good. Yes, okay. yes I, I definitely agree. All thank right. You, thank you very much. Have a good day. You too. Enjoy Bye-bye. the day. Enjoy the day. This is the time where we're going to start to garden. But just remember, there's a caution with planting too. And uh, conversing with uh, Eva, it doesn't look like there's any frost in the upcoming area. But we are Manitoba. We are what we call sometimes here in the peg, winter peg. So getting a head start is actually a very beneficial thing. And just remember, there are things like frost cloth that you can put over top if we get frost. But just remember, if you're planting those vegetables and those edible crops, there's a nasty little thing out there called the flea beetle. So you may want to use some lengths of frost cloth, cover up your new plantings. The moisture will still go in there. Lift the cloth, water them, put it back down, and it's protective measures. You do not want those flea beetles. I know they're out there, so you just have to be cautious. All right? As always, it's been a pleasure being with you on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Let's get gardening, everyone. Enjoy it. Reap the rewards of it. It gives you energy. It gives you hope. It gives you faith. And it gives you exercise and good spirits. We'll be back on the Lawn and Garden Journal next week. Bye-bye, everyone.